For a good while now, I have taught at the College for Congregational Development all around the United States. And without fail, there is one part of the curriculum that makes many, many participants, lay leaders and clergy alike, push back and squirm and sometimes flat out refuse to participate. The controversial lesson in question is not about money, it's not about politics, it's not about theology, or at least not obviously so at first. The piece that routinely garners the most resistance is called the feedback model. It's built on the foundation of this gospel passage, Matthew 18, and it is deceptively straightforward. At the college, participants are asked to practice giving one another feedback, saying, when you, and then describing a behavior they've observed, I felt, and then filling in a feeling word. They are then to name what the consequences of this action were and what they would request of the other person in the future. So just four short parts. When you, I felt, the consequence was, and in the future, I would request. And many people struggle with this form and mightily. Whether the feedback being offered is affirming or critical, it is vulnerable both to offer it and to receive it. It happens one-on-one, -on -one, removing the perceived buffer of gossip or triangles or the strange shield of calling someone out in front of a group. And for a lot of folks, it's difficult to, to take stock of what they are feeling or to reflect on what impact another has had on them or hear about the impact they have had on another. It is demanding, tender work, and a practice that, that I've discovered many mature and wonderfully successful adults have rarely taken on. It's no wonder, then, that we would receive such pushback when we teach this way. And here it is, laid out right in the gospel. When there is a fracture between you and another, go to that person directly. Start there. The baseline assumption that Jesus and Matthew are working with is that there will be conflict. We don't choose who we join to form this assembly of faith, nor should we. Jesus saw this already. Matthew must have, even more so, as the young Christian movement grew and spread and wove people together from even more varied backgrounds. Jesus was so certain that we will come to these places of friction and eventually rupture that he lays out a step-by-step -step process for finding a way 
forward. And while this can be a good way to address conflict, I think it's actually about something even deeper. This passage comes just after the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus lifts up the image of a shepherd leaving the 99 sheep to go find that one last sheep who is lost. And the rejoicing that comes when that one lost sheep returns home. Our passage today follows immediately, outlining how to go straight to another member who sins against you. They they seem to be connected with today's passage offering some practical steps to live out the parable of the lost sheep. Part of my hunch about this connection lies in that tricky little phrase, when a member member sins against you. It is tempting to hear that and and flip immediately into a role of righteousness, assuming the position of one who was wronged by someone acting with malice. But the phrase is actually fairly ambiguous. In particular, some of the earliest reliable manuscripts of Matthew's gospel lack those two words, against you. Many scholars believe that these words were added later on, perhaps as more conflict emerged in the early church. So maybe it's a map for handling conflict. Maybe it's also just a guide for finding one another when we go astray, when we get lost, when we lose sight of each other and the whole of the body. Ultimately, this This straightforward encouragement to go directly to a person strikes me as a way to overcome the separation that all but inevitably comes in relationships, both human and divine. This follows one of the most helpful definitions of sin that I've encountered, which describes sin as all that separates us from each other and from God. It's an understanding of sin as as being the thoughts and the actions and the systems that throw up walls, that keep us apart, that make it hard to hear one another and perceive God's presence. Sometimes it's intentional, and sometimes it's not. But regardless, we need help with the impact, with the consequences. Just Go to them, Jesus urges. Go directly to that person, just you and them. Start there. If you can be heard, and if you can hear them also, if you both really listen, wonderful. And if that doesn't work, bring help. And if that still doesn't work, if you're still lost to each other, maybe the whole community can help. And even if even that doesn't work, know that you still exist as each other's neighbors. Remember, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and healing Gentiles all the time. 
They still belonged to each other. He was listening to them, being changed by them. They were coming to him, learning from him. Jesus is offering these few sentences that that seem akin to Robert's rules of order, but, but they're beneath the surface. When we really live them, these lines can play out like a proverb, like a teaching of the soul. No one is disposable, he tells us. No matter how separated we are, how, how lost we become to one another, here is a way to search, to reach. This way is powerful in, in its ability to give us back to each other and return us to our whole selves and to God. It is a radical thing that this work belongs to each of us as kin, as fellow members of the body of Christ. This reconciliation does not belong to a judge or to clergy or some appointed arbiter. It begins with us coming together as peers in baptism on this unbelievably leveled field, in this place where we have been given responsibility to each other to come back to speak truth, to listen. Maybe that's why some of us struggle so mightily with the practice of giving and receiving feedback. Maybe it's because as simple as those few sentences are, the uttering of when you, I felt, the consequence for me was, and in the future I would request that. Maybe it's because these words are radical and powerful and transformative. They change the one speaking their truth, and they can change the person coming to hear in a new way how they impact the people and the world around them. It's a practice that is vulnerable because it acknowledges what is lost, What has been separated? What has hurt? And it's also vulnerable because it requires us to imagine another future, a way of being together that we hope for, but that is not here yet. One that may ask much of us to build, and one that, if we're honest, may or may not come. These simple sentences are searching. They are intimate, and they are revealing both to speak and to receive. And what I will tell you, what I will give witness to this day, is that truly countless times now, I have seen that this kind of loving truth-telling is the very building block of the kingdom. It is absolutely worth the struggle. This hard work is how the body is mended and made whole. It is this brave act of returning to each other through the separation and through the hurt and through the loss. This way of 
coming back together, one with another. This is how we find each other and how we find God.